0: So we just finished up with James Spann and his count of April 27, 2011. And if you did, maybe you didn't know, but our own panelist, Dan Whitaker, was out in the field. I think this is before any of us knew you, Dan, but uh, he was actually out uh, chasing this big event. So uh, I guess, first of all, let's kind of talk about um, what you were doing. How, How did you know to target this area? Uh, what was the uh, what was the game plan? Maybe a, a couple of days leading into this uh, this high impact event.
1: Right. So we had been looking at this storm system quite a ways out. It was showing up on lo- um, long range data, um, I think a couple of weeks prior, and then it just kept on uh, slowly, se- seemingly everything was coming together. The closer we got to that April twenty seventh date, so. Um, I was prepared pretty far in advance to to get out there to Alabama was was where I was loosely targeting. And um a couple of days ahead of time I packed up the car and um I left town the night before and stayed in um the east uh the west no, no eastern Tennessee Mountains. <laughs> it's western for us if we're in that way, but uh um but Eastern Tennessee mountains over in Chattanooga and, uh, was, was prepared for whatever could happen. Um, I've been out to Alabama a bunch of times to go, f- uh, follow and photograph storms and, um, and nothing's come of it. So I didn't know what was going to happen this day. So during the day, walk us through what it was like when, from the time you woke up to the time that you finally find yourself on a storm. So you're so right. So, um, I had some kind of omens, if you want to believe in that, at least, uh, uh it, it, at the very least, uh, the atmosphere was, was, was showing off for me right away. Um, I woke up at my friend's house, he had to go to work and, um, it was a, uh, I forget what day of the week it was, but it was, it was a work day. And, um, so he went to work and I woke up at his house. He said, you know, when you're heading out, just lock the door and, um, behind you and, be on your way. And, uh, so it was around 8 AM or so I'm getting ready to leave. Uh, and there's some early morning storms happening out near Chattanooga. And, um, and one of them really started building up. I was watching on radar and I was like, you know, it's eight something in the morning. I can't really think, look too much into this. I'm, I'm trying to head to Alabama and, um, I shut the door behind me, I lock the door, I get in my car and I pull up my, at that time I had a, a full Ram mount, like a computer system in my car. I, I power on the laptop. It's actually this laptop that, that I have right here, which is now an outdated laptop system. Um, but still has some of my data on it and I uh, power on my laptop. And I open it up and right when I get my laptop open, tornado warning, um, storms heading directly over my location in a matter of minutes. And, um, and there was a strong kind of velocity couplet there when I looked at the velocity data. So I was like, you know, this is, there's some real reason to believe that this could be a threatening, uh, storm with a tornado. And so I actually, uh, went to try and get back in my friend's house to take to just like I've five minutes. Right. So let's get back in the house. No, the door's locked. Of course I can't get back in. And I look around, I'm in a crowded like neighborhood with lots of trees, trees everywhere. I can't, can't even see the sky. So I think to myself, okay, well, (laughs) what do I do now? Right. I don't want a tree to follow me. Right. And um, so I get in my car and I just start driving away from the storm through these residential roads in Chattanooga. It's hilly. I'm trying to just get out of there. Um, I make it to like a four road intersection and I kind of park my car there. I'm like, this is as good as I'm going to do. At least I'm not under the trees and I park my car there um, as, uh, some really intense wind star whipping across, uh, horizontal rain, horizontal, you know, wind-blown rain. Um, you know, I would just guess at like 60, 70 miles an hour. Um, and I was right there in the velocity couplet and, um, you know, it turns out there, there was uh, wind damage and, and a tornado, but, um, I just must've been very close, but I don't believe I was in the tornado. It was mostly, I mean, the winds changed directions eventually, but I believe it was all rear flank downdraft base kind of wind. Um, and, uh, so I drive back to my friend's house at that point after I'm like kind of in that wind and rain and, and I, it passes by me. So I know I'm safe. I just kind of drive back there cause I don't know what to do with myself at this point. And, um, and there, uh, the road that I came down just a minute prior, uh, there had been someone driving down that road and a tree fell and actually crushed their car with them in it. Um, and, uh, I got there before the emergency response did and, um, I like, or adjusted about the same time. So I pull up and so do they, and I kind of get out of my car and I'm, I'm, I'm like, well, what's going on, you know? And, uh, um, the emergency response person, fortunately they, they started trying to, uh, do what they needed to do. And I was like, you know, they're, they've got it figured out. They told me to, you know, leave them alone. So I just kept on heading on my way. And I was like, I guess I'll go to Alabama now. <laughs> and that's how I started my morning. So um, pretty intense.
0: Dan, wow. I, have a, I have a question for you. Sorry. I, mean, I didn't to stuff oh. on you. Um, recollection. This was 10 years ago. So I don't think radar scope was a thing. Um, that's right. What, uh I mean, how did you get this weather data while you're out in the field? I mean, it's 2011. Technology has has surely come a long ways in the last 10 years. But what was it like
1: back in 2011 getting? You mean what was it get- like using a flip phone when I was storm chasing? <laughs> um, yeah, so so that's what I was doing. I had a GZ1 waterproof flip phone, and um, for uh, for data, fortunately, things were fairly advanced for. Um, the laptop systems, as long as you had a laptop system and internet and a few other things. So I had a GPS puck, uh, that, that logged my, uh, GPS data into, um, the system I was using at that time. It was, uh, I can't even remember the name of the system actually, but it was like definitely an older PC radar system that integrated with, um, Delorme maps was what I used to log my GPS data. And, um, and it integrated the data in, um, it was the only thing, at that time it was the only program comparable to gr level two which is still you know a top program for pcs and um but yeah no radar scope no um quick data via phone um yeah like i said in the story i had to power up the laptop to even see what was really going on so um so uh had that hooked up to a internet puck at that time there was no hotspots via cell phone so you had to have a um, a dedicated internet puck, uh, also to power the computer. At that time, there weren't cars built in with power inverters for things like computers, um, like there are now. Like the Forerunner that I own now, it just had, comes with power outlets, right? But uh, at that time, there wasn't anything like that, so I actually had to have custom fuses and custom switches and custom wiring for power inverters to run my laptop system, and um, and so it was a lot of electric based stuff and the best technology at that time, just to even get online and see what was going on. Later in the day, Dan, uh, with all of this equipment that you had, you managed to get yourself on the Coleman, Alabama storm. Um, the, the storm was severe. It produced an EF4 tornado. Can you tell us a little bit about the experience you had chasing that um, in, in the afternoon? Right. So... I made it to Alabama after my intense morning and, um, and I'm kind of trying to figure out where to target, uh, for storms. Um, they start kind of popping off immediately, um, early in the afternoon, I think around one or two was, was, uh, the first supercell that I got on and these storms were, were, um, classic supercells popping up in every square foot of Alabama that you can put your eyes on, on radar. So it's just these storms are popping up all over the place and uh, a lot of little kind of storms, but among the mix, a lot of major um, strong supercells were developing that were immediately severe warned, putting down things like hail and a lot of more starting to go tornado warned even early on in the day. So, um, I chased, um, Three, I think it was four different um, supercells, which I believe all four of them or three of them were tornado warned um, before I even made it to Coleman. So I had this long, like, you know, uh, for those of you who aren't as familiar with how a storm chase would work, you see a storm kind of growing either visually or on radar. You know, the ingredients are there for that storm that once it grows to become a significant storm. And so you start targeting, you want to target the storm early and get to it before it basically becomes maybe, you know, outdated, so to speak, where, where it's just overtaken by rain, the visuals are gone. Maybe the tornado is gone too. So you want to, if you can be there at the birth of a storm and follow it through um, that's ideal, you know, granted these storms this day in Alabama, we're averaging speeds of 40 to 60 miles an hour. So it's kind of hard to stay with them. <laughs> but um that's why you hop around a little bit. So you would start at a storm. Here's a birth of a storm. Great. Let's see what it's gonna do. It either outruns you or starts dissipating, and then you pop to the next one. So, like I said, I was on you know about four or five of these before I made it to Coleman. And that was a couple hours worth of chasing and driving. I'm starting to kind of almost wear down a little bit because after you've seen one storm, two storm, three storm, you're like, are any of these going to produce visible tornadoes or am I just driving under, you know, low hanging clouds and rain and hail. And, um, so I'm driving towards, uh, I guess this is where the story really starts. Right. So, um, I'm driving towards Coleman and, um, into town because i saw a really nice hooked supercell that was um that was heading towards coleman and uh it looked great on radar it was starting to form a really nice hook a really nice velocity couplet um by nice i mean strong and visually um you know from a radar standpoint um a a, a strong and kind of um pronounced feature that um tends to you know, mean that the storm's going to at least go tornado warned, if not produce a tornado. And like I said, the ingredients were there. This was a day that had been forecasted for a while. Um, we knew that this was a significant day. It was a high risk by the storm prediction center. They were predicting a tornado outbreak. And um, so we knew it was going to happen, or at least uh, that's what we thought was going to happen. And anyways, the storm as it's heading towards Coleman, I drive closer, I drive closer and <laughs> it's the weirdest thing. Cause typically when I'm chasing storms, I kind of get in a position where I'm looking at the rotation part of the storm and the part of the uh, wall cloud that is rotating and maybe going to put down a tornado. So I'm trying to like be in that area, stay with that area. In this particular storm, I kind of just, as I'm driving into Coleman, I knew what storm I was going for, but I kind of look off to the side and they in the far distance over a field. Um, is a tornado and it's and it's pretty far out and um, and but I notice it right away and I'm like, all right, well there you go, you know after four storms or so and and here it is and it just it's it's there. I did it, you know, like I'm seeing a tornado right now and this is what all my efforts been. Uh, funnel to to get here, and um and and I it wasn't just seeing a tornado. At, you know, I need to kind of preface this. I'm a trained uh, storm spotter at this time. I'm uh you know I've got a couple years, uh, three years of experience under my belt. Um, I was very involved in wanting to try and collect data for historic reasons. I had like two anemometers on my car. I was connected in to try and report relay data back to national weather service. And, uh, I was tracking all my movements. I was docking, er, documenting everything with multiple cameras. So the idea was put myself in the close proximity of these storms, get as much data as possible, and then see how I can use that and funnel that in for any sort of storm damage or research purposes. And, um, and as well as relay storm reports to help with the public, you know, which is like it's a cutesy thing to say a lot of storm chasers say it. whatever, But in reality, for a day like April 27th, 2011, it turns out that that was absolutely necessary. Not only was that something that like sounds good on paper, but the people like me who are out there relaying this information and broadcasting it live actually did save lives. You know, Um, it was that um significant footage of these storms coming and hitting towns is what actually made people get into their storm shelters and and go to safe places. So uh anyways, I'm driving into town, I see the tornado out above a field. Um and I am I'm uh uh I I had been uh live streaming at for a little bit at that point but I had a live stream setup going on with a uh HD webcam um, streaming to the site at that time called chaser TV, which was, uh, in the t- 2010 to 2014 period, it was the hottest thing out there. You know, uh, the public knew to tune to chaser TV and, you know, the storm chaser show was hot and people were thinking about storms and thinking about storm chasing. And so it had thousands and thousands of viewers that you could get access to if you streamed. And, um, And the cool thing about chaser TV at the time too, is they would pay per viewer pay for pronounced amount of time and stuff like that. So you could actually, you know, come out with a little bit of a paycheck at the end of it too. Um, and, um, I start streaming this storm and immediately, uh, I start getting over a thousand viewers on chaser TV. Um, my location is in reference to the radar that everyone's looking at. Everyone sees, wow, he's right in this hook of the Coleman storm and they start clicking on my stream and sure enough, they're, they're seeing a tornado. And so they start sharing it. It starts getting shared across social media, screenshotted. And immediately that tornado in live in real time is getting shared around, you know, the, the fingers of the internet in 2011. <laughs> um, and uh getting rebroadcasted and, and 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 put in places where people could actually see this storm. So um so I was live streaming it, I was filming it with another camera. We'll play kind of the video of what that ended up looking like with my um other camera and um and then I was taking DSLR pictures as well as running two anemometers um, and trying to stay in good proximity and location to this storm. So I was, I, I was, I was by myself, you know, and so I was trying to do all this stuff and um, as well as l- listen to the scanner radio. I mean, I was, it, you know, anyways, I see this tornado come through um, and it's coming closer and closer. It's coming towards me you know, I'm trying to figure out, is this storm going to do something where it actually, you know, hits my location or so at one point, and you may see this in the video where the tornado seems to get close enough to me where, where all of a sudden you can't really see the gray funnel anymore. Instead, you see just like a a massive dirt. (laughs) And that's when I think I'm, I'm, I'm starting to get a little close there. And so I actually back up across the road that was behind me into a gas station. And, and in my head at that moment, I think to myself, if I drive 30 feet backwards i can maybe avoid getting hit by this thing and still film it so that was my thinking and um and you know i don't think i was that close but i was in stone's throw i mean i i was very close um and um and and then it kind of continues going at an angle um in front and away from me and that's when it uh touches down fully you can see it um the funnel reached the ground and the uh, the tornado becomes very pronounced, very kind of like a very defined elephant trunk. And it's kind of, you know, not this big, wide, massive weird wedge that we would think about when we think about EF fours and, and very strong, violent tornadoes. Um, But however, you know, and I know this from the comments on my YouTube channel where some people are saying, this isn't a true EF four, look how skinny it is. But in reality, you know, it's that tight, strong wind whipping around at the bottom. That's causing all the damage. And it was, um, you can tell in the video that it's, it's a very strong tornado. And it was a very strong and destructive tornado. It went through downtown Coleman destroyed a a number of the commercial buildings there, um, destroyed some houses and, um, ended up with multiple fatalities, including a, a, a newborn, um, or a young child. And, uh, you know, it, it devastated the city. So as this is happening here, I am Mr. North Carolina out of my city in town by myself, you know, in my storm chasing vehicle, fortunately, you know, I'm prepared for living multiple days out of my car if I needed to. Right. Um, that's, that was part of my preparation. So, um, but I'm thinking to myself, like, you know, what's next? What do we do now? So I tried to follow the storm. And um, as I keep following it, the uh, tornado gets wider and wider, eventually wedges out into this big kind of um, gray wedge tornado. As it goes off in the distance, the road that I try and travel down is completely covered in trees. And there's no, I mean, like there's hundreds of, I will share a picture of it. There's just hundreds of trees down and you know, you could have had a whole team of people with chainsaws and you would never gotten through that road. So at that point, I know that my access to continue following this tornado is gone. The tornado is going 60 miles an hour anyways. So it's a lost cause at that point. So I drive back towards town and here's where it really gets interesting. Cause the, this is where things started to really take a turn as far as the reality of the storm. Um, all I could smell was trees um, and uh, fresh wood and as I look around through the woods as I'm driving back towards Coleman, the trees are stripped of their dark, of their bark. They're just bare. It's just bare wood. Forests of bare wood, and um, and twisted trees and and just devastation. And uh, I'm driving back towards Coleman to try and figure out what's my next move. And I look at the radar on my computer, and there's another storm that's tornado warned and heading right towards Coleman. Um, that is going to be there in 20 minutes. Right. But what has just happened is tornado is a tornado just devastated Coleman. And at the same time, tornadoes were devastating Tuscaloosa and other, that's a well-known one, but there are I think five or six tornadoes on the ground at this very moment. And Alabama was in a mess. So Coleman was in a mess and everybody got in their cars and drove out to the middle of the roads to try and get to their family members. Uh, Cell service was completely down at this point. I don't know if it's because cell towers were hit or if everyone was trying to use their cell phones at the same time, but there was zero cell service. You could not use it for anything. Uh, The only thing left was internet through my internet puck. So I was able to access radar data and uh, uh, message through um, some sort of messenger app I was using at that time. And, uh, yeah, I think email is what it is called. Um, and, uh, yeah, I was emailing people. So, um, and, um, I drive back into town, the roads are uh, crowded with people. People are kind of walking around confused. Everyone has their cell phone in their hand. Like, what is this? It's not doing anything. And, um, and they see that I'm a storm chaser. I have storm squad.net on the side of my vehicle and stuff. They start coming up to my car and they're saying, what what happened you know we're trying to get in touch with our family members we can't do it we don't we heard the town was hit and um i was able to actually give as many people as i could the information that i had which was you know there was a tornado it hit part of town there's another storm coming you're gonna want to find a place to take refuge i actually got i had a cb radio uh in my car at that time with a speaker i got my cb radio and started driving around and Saying there's another tornado warning coming because nobody knew, and and I drove around the town and yelled at people to to find safe shelter, and um, and that was really uh, harrowing. Like uh, I don't know if that's the right word. It, I, there's no words to describe. I mean, it was very uh, sobering. I mean, just like you know, I was focused. I was trying to at that point just go into like storm recovery mode. You know, how do we? how I'm now part of this Coleman community right so how do I help them and um and yeah that was uh that was not my last storm of the day so um i actually left Coleman and uh went and got on another supercell um at that point because there's nothing else i could do in Coleman that you know short of Uh, I warned everyone I could, the storm didn't hit there. So I kept, I left, I I went out to go, uh, get to another storm and, um, chase two more tornado worn supercells. nothing really produced from those. And then the sun started going down and, um, still no cell service, but I have my, my radio police scanner and, um, fire EMS scanner. And, uh, I'm hearing that reports that there are uh, no gas stations and no gas available to the first responders and i look at my gas tank at that moment the sun was just starting to set i look at my gas tank and i'm on less than a quarter of a tank (laughs) hadn't anticipated on there not being any gas in the state of alabama right and um so with very little gas and a lot more storms all tornado warned heading my direction and now it's dark out I had to do what I now refer to as a um, kind of a intense game of avoid the tornado for the next few hours, um, and uh, I did it on zero gas. So what I had to do is I would drive out to somewhere where I thought was in between two supercells heading my way because it was just groups of supercells just over and over and over again, all tornado worn. <laughs> so I drive where I thought I was going to be in between the two no cell phone service and limited radar at this point. Cause internet was dicey out where I was. And uh, then I'd turn off my car and I just sit there in the pitch black and just watch the lightning, both the storms pass on either side of me. I turn back on the car, get the laptop back up, see the next radar run and figure out my next spot to go to, to try and be safe. And uh, I did that for a few hours until eventually it seemed clear enough for me to actually um, get to a city <laughs> on my zero gas so I found a city, uh, I don't even remember what the name of the city was, but it's probably 100 miles 50 to 100 miles from Coleman at that point in Alabama, Central Alabama. And um and I get to the uh hotel and they say we don't have power, but you're going to have to pay full price. <laughs> Sorry. Um and uh and and nobody has power, nobody has gas. And I said, do you know where the nearest gas station is that has gas? And they said, we're hearing reports that there isn't any gas except for far Eastern Alabama on the Eastern uh, Georgia, Alabama line. Other than that, nowhere else, even west of here, north of here, south of here, no one has gas. And uh, I said, okay, well, I guess I'm staying here for the night. And um, so I um, had just filmed all this video. <laughs> So, I went ahead and um, I had no power, no gas, but I did have an external battery that I brought with me to power an emergency battery pack to power things like laptops and stuff. So, went ahead and plugged in my laptop, fired it up, um, got my video uploaded to YouTube. It was my second video I'd ever uploaded to YouTube. The first one was the, a tornado two weeks prior in Alabama, um, coincidentally, in, close by. And this was my second video. And um, I get it up there, I shut down everything because the battery's going to die, I'm done for the night. I go to sleep, I wake up the next morning, and the video's got like like 80,000 views on it, and um, my inbox is just full of people saying, "Can we use the video? Can we use the video? Can we use the video?" Just my email's blown up, and um and I'm like, wow, I guess that's, you know, and this was in 2011 before viral videos was really a thing. YouTube's kind of new at this point. And, um, and I created like at that time, a newsy viral video. And I didn't even know what to think of it. I would never really seen viral videos at that time. So um, I was like, well, that's interesting, you know, and, and, you know, whatever, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a historic day. So I knew that, you know, my footage was, I'm glad people are seeing it, you know, please share it, you know, um, and, uh, ended up, um, driving to a gas station, um, that was about an hour and a half away from my hotel. And I didn't think I was going to make it, um, but that was the closest gas station. I, you know, called around. I did everything I could to source a gas station. That was it. It was like on the border. So I just drove that direction on no gas. I was on fumes the whole time. And um and, and I got to the gas station and I'm literally like I you can hear the gas running out and the car sputtering and stuff. So I cut the, the um, car off in the line. There was a a humongous line going out around the road, circling all around Uh, fire trucks are coming in, skirting in front of the public to get all the gas EMS. They're coming in, you know, it's the only gas station that had gas. And, um, so I sit in the back of the line, there's maybe 50 cars in front of me and, um, I turn off my car and, um, I literally, uh, kept it in neutral and pushed the car most of the way to get to the gas tank, um, slash rolled it part of the direction and, um, like rolled it just down the hill with gravity. And, um, and I made it to a gas tank after about, uh, I think it was about two hours of sitting there in line and, um, made it to a gas station. and made it to the pump and was able to get enough gas in the car and, uh, drove back to North Carolina. Um, that sent that, that morning. So, um, I kind of just went through the story there I mean I don't know Uh, there's of course more to be said but that's kind of the my experience being there right in central Alabama I mean you know uh, the in and the out at least the basic summary so
0: Dan I'm curious Um, I've been storm chasing once and the adrenaline rush you get as you see a tornado um, obviously peaks up and then Um, you kind of go into recovery mode, hoping that everyone's okay. Did you experience that adrenaline rush when you were witnessing
1: this? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, definitely, uh, during the Coleman tornado, um, it was when I first saw it. And for those first few minutes, especially I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And, 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 you know, that adrenaline really kicked in here. I am, it's real. I'm on a tornado. This is a high risk day. These storms are explosive. And, and I knew that something bad could really happen. And, um, so, so yeah, the adrenaline popped in at that moment, but, um, it's the weirdest thing. Uh, one of the comments on my YouTube video is why is there no screaming? Where's all the screaming? Where's all the yelling? This is like the calmest tornado video I've ever seen besides Pico's Hank. And, uh, (laughs) um, and, and it was just my adrenaline turned into straight focus. So after I kind of had an initial like, ah, I, I was just hundred percent zoned in on my task. I mean, you could call it focused. You could also call it busy. I mean, you know, navigating the anemometers, the laptop, the cameras, the live stream <laughs> and driving and parking and whatever running, you know, in my raw video of the tornado, there's me like zooming back and forth in front of the dash cam because I'm like, I don't need who knows what I'm doing. I'm probably setting a GoPro here and turning this thing that way. And it's, uh, I was very busy and, uh, very focused. So, um, it just all turned into that. And then eventually right near the end of the day, a lot of that adrenaline and focus kind of wears down to just like, now I'm playing dodge the tornadoes at night. And that part was a little, um, I, I wish I could have been back in North Carolina at that point. Dan real quick before we wrap, can you talk a little bit about the the gravitas of watching the storm, uh, the, the tornado as it came through Coleman Uh, And afterwards, understanding that while you were watching it, it killed six people. So, you know, I've been at some devastating tornadoes before, but I think the thing that made this more real, um, and I've been at some killer tornadoes before, I think the thing that made this so real in this particular one is because Um, a lot of people died this day in Alabama and it was the total destruction of the state. Um, you know, seeing the Coleman tornado, you know, unless I had actually seen it hit the specific buildings and stuff, it was hard to make a direct connection to, to who died or how they died or where they died. Um, you know, I did end up seeing the commercial destruction downtown and that was intense. Um, seeing that because you're seeing people wandering around, picking up bricks and, trying to figure out what to do. It's like, it's like walking into a house that was just completely destroyed by like a group of toddlers, you know? And I say that as a, as a uh, owner of a toddler, <laughs> you know, I have a three-year-old and sometimes you just walk into a room and you say, what happened? And you just pull your hair and you scratch your head and you say, I can't even figure out where to start. Everything's destroyed. <laughs> and, um, and it was the same way watching these people trying to figure out what to do in downtown coleman um just walking around devastated and 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 that was really sobering but i but the the thing that really affected me the most honestly was seeing people looking for their loved ones and not having a way to find out where their loved ones were no cell phone reception no communication and being stuck in traffic and another tornado warning that's coming so these people are in a bad predicament and um only i knew what was going on so i was in this really weird place of you know nobody, nobody knows. And, um, they're all unsafe and they're all just trying to help their loved ones out. So that was probably the the hardest part to, to be a part of, but the part that I'm most grateful that I was a part of because I could help, but also because, um, that's the reality of, of these big storm events is, is that's what's happening in these communities. And sometimes you don't see that on the news or you don't, know about that, but there's moments there where where we're all just trying to look out for each other, and and those are the hardest moments.
0: Well, Dan, we certainly appreciate your uh, your time and and reflecting back on this um, very somber event that took place on April 27, 2011. So we thank you and James Spann for sharing their stories of this uh, tragic day, and uh, our thoughts and prayers are still with those folks who um, are reliving this 10 years later. Uh, in the state of Alabama. For everyone here at the Carolina Weather Group, we hope you have a great evening and we'll see you back here real soon.